Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Jamel Gibbs, your family-oriented entrepreneur. Welcome to another podcast episode. This is the Business and Investing Podcast, where you learn all things business and investing related. So today we're going to talk to a specialist, a HELOC specialist. HELOCs have been uh, a key topic on this particular channel, uh, on my podcast as well. You know, I've had recent guests, DeAndre Clayton, as well as... Uh, uh, Reggie Briscoe talked about it, and today we're going to have someone that DeAndre introduced me to. His name is Anthony Rushing from FirstLeanHeloc.com. We're going to talk about how people are using First Lean Helocs to pay off their mortgage within the first five to seven years of having that HELOC on their property. So how can you pay off a house within five to seven years? On a previous episode, you heard um, Reggie Briscoe talk about how he did it within three years, right? So I'm going to talk to Anthony Russian today. We're going to talk about exactly that. How is it even possible? This is a guy who specializes in first lien HELOCs, and I believe they're the only banking institution in the entire country that offers this particular product and specialize in it as well. So you're hearing it right from the person the guy, the company who specializes in it, and you're going to see how it's possible for you to be able to do it. My man, Anthony Russian, what's going on, my man? Hey, Jamil. I'm, I'm great, man. Dude, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to, to chat with you and kind of share, um, you know, what we've learned, what we know um, about this particular product, you know, how people are using it, right, and how people are using it to improve their lives. Um, one of the ways is just to aggressively, aggressively pay off their home. Yeah. And it's it's really it's amazing. Uh, it almost comes across as being kind of kind of magical or fake. You know, people kind of push it off. But the reality is that the results that we see and the results that our, our clients are getting are true. Uh, and and we see it day in and day out. And it's amazing. I'm just I'm kind of grateful to be uh, to have kind of fallen into it, if that makes sense, because it's uh, it's something where I feel like my work day in, day out gets to actually improve people's lives. Um, in a way that I don't know if I'd be able to otherwise. So it's, it's really pretty cool. Absolutely, man. So we're here to provide the value, man. We're here to provide the, the game plan, the information that people need in order to be able to take advantage of this stuff. Because honestly, this stuff is not, it's not readily available. It's just not right. You know, right. the banking, the, honestly, a lot of banks, the banking society, so to speak, they don't want us to know this stuff. They want to keep us on a 30 year mortgage for as long as right. possible. But at the same time, this particular product isn't for everybody. It's not going to work for everybody. Right. So um, we're here to provide that information that people need in order to make that determination for themselves, right? Absolutely. So why don't we tell everybody a little bit about yourself, bro? Well, I have my uh, history, uh, a bunch of different things. Uh, went, you know, finished high school, went to college and uh, joined a band. I, I left college to join a band. I played music for six years toured and did all that, um, got my real estate license at that point. And then um, toward the tail end uh, of my, my uh, time with the band, um, met a real estate investor. I, I had my real estate license at that point, And he, um, we created a, a three person partnership and we built out, built up 40 doors, uh, which, you know, owned and managed. And, um, and then actually uh, when I, I went back to college, finished college, um, and then went into uh, to teaching. Actually, I was a, I went and joined this program called Teach for America that focuses on um, 
high, extremely high educational outcomes for um, for underprivileged kids, if that makes sense. Uh, and that's, you know, that really was a calling for me because uh, I knew that my work and, you know, my toilet, you know, and, and sweat and tears and everything, right, was actually, you know, it, it resulted in someone else's benefit, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and I felt like that was a really worthy cause. Um, went to school for that, was going to become a principal, all that kind of stuff. Had twins um, and then uh, realized that, um, so through that, we, we ended up selling the, the, the complex, if that makes sense. And that gave me the down payment to buy, you know, my primary residence with, with my wife at that point. So, um, but we, um, we, when we had twins, I realized and thought about, you know, the, the likelihood of, of me providing a financial feature for, for them in the way that I wanted. Um, and it, it, it was, it was hard for me to see that. Right. Um, and so made a move into the mortgage business, which is complete 180, right? Um, and um, that was really a decision for the family that, that I made. Um, and I, I did the retail stuff and then found out about this First Lean HELOC product. Um, and I learned about how, it, how people are using it to aggressively you know, pay off their homes, become debt free. People are using it, the capital in their home or the equity in their homes as capital to invest and leverage for investments to build, you know, to build wealth, to build generational wealth. And I also learned that no one knows about it. And I was like, this is crazy. How can no one know about this? And I was, A, it's something that provides an extreme amount of value, right? When it works, and it's important to say that, but when it works, it provides an, an extreme amount of value. And I thought I was like, you know, through education and through my work with there, you, with that, you build a skill set to be able to teach concepts to people, right? Uh, you understand in a way how to present information and, and build upon um, foundational understanding to get to higher level concepts. So I was like, man, this is this is great. I get to now go back to something where. I'm not just doing this for financial gain for my family, right? I get to have a purpose that does that, but also is for a, a higher purpose in a way. And, um, and to me, that's what drives me as a person. Um, and so I was really attracted to this and I was like, look, I'm going to, I'm just going to commit everything to that. So that was about, that was about four and a half years ago at this point. Um, and I made the complete switch from retail, um, you know, amortized mortgages to this. Um, and um, that's how I got here. Um, and I, I am extreme. I, I love it. I'm extremely passionate about it. Um, the people that were able to help have been able to change their life trajectory in a lot of ways, just because with what they're doing already, we apply a vehicle, a financial vehicle for them that just works for what they're already doing better, right? It's not a give, it's not a given for everybody, but like, that's really what we try and do. And when it works, it's, it can be life-changing. It's awesome. Yeah, man. So great story, man. We, we, you know, we heard how you got into real estate. We also heard how you got into the mortgage industry and why first lien HELOCs, why you're passionate about it. So what exactly is a first lien HELOC? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. So, um, all in all, the first lien HELOC is just a, a different kind of mortgage. It's, it's, a, it's a mortgage. It follows different rules than an amortized mortgage does. That's it, right? So people hear HELOC, a lot of times they think of a second lien HELOC, and that's an extension of credit 
on top of your existing mortgage. And that, hence the second lien position. It's kind of on top of your mortgage. They get paid off second if the borrower defaults, right? That's, mm -hmm. you know, a, a first lien HELOC is the actual mortgage. And so a lot of times what we'll do is uh, use it as a refinance, right? Mm -hmm. So we'll refinance people out of their current mortgage by using a first lien HELOC to pay off their mortgage. The first lien HELOC has a limit, we call it the line amount, right? And it has a balance, which is usually the balance of your current mortgage. And it's an open-ended line of credit. So, um, you know, we're talking, it's a mortgage that just follows different rules than an amortized mortgage does. The main rules have to do with money flow and, the, and has to do with interest calculation. Um, so, and what we do, you know, is we basically teach people how to work within those rules, mm -hmm. how to leverage those parameters, right? How to best take advantage of how this loan works for your advantage. And, um, you know, that that's really all it is. It, you know, a lot of people think it's some new, um, new crazy idea. And it's actually been around since before the amortized mortgage as we know it has been around. Yeah. Um, a lot of people think no one else uses it. The reality is this is the main type of home loan that people use in Australia, South Africa, mm -hmm. you know, across Europe. It's another type of home loan that people use when it makes the most sense. And that's really all we're trying to do is bring it, bring it and advocate for this product that may actually be better for you. Mm -hmm. um, if it is, then it makes sense to, to choose it. If it isn't the best option, then obviously you shouldn't get it. So really that's what we're here to do is, is just kind of share and advocate for this whole product and concept and way of using it. Absolutely. And for those of you who are interested, keep watching because we're going to uh, share with you how you can get a consultation with Anthony in order to be able to, to see if this is the right fit for you. Now, also as a side note, I know we're using the, we're throwing around the term HELOC. A lot of people may not understand what HELOC means. It's basically a home equity line of credit. You want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. Sure. So home equity line of credit. Um, I don't like to, to compare this to credit cards often because credit cards have a bad rap, mm -hmm. right? Or they can have a bad rap. A credit card is a line of credit. And the thing that makes it a line of credit is the institution, bank, whoever it is, provides you with access to their money, we'll call it, right? And you can borrow against that line of credit and you can pay it back if you want. Money can go in and money can go out freely. So what a home equity line of credit is, it's a line of credit that's actually secured by your real estate. And that's why I call it, it's a kind of mortgage, right? Because a mortgage by definition is a loan that's secured by real estate. And so a HELOC is a kind of mortgage, right? That's an open-ended line of credit, which means you can put money into it. You can pay it down as much as you want. But every dollar you put in there, you can also take back out. That's right. When you take it back out, it increases your balance too, right? So um, so I like to compare it to a credit card because that's something that people are familiar with, right? Um, and so it, it works in a similar fashion, right? So when you get a first lien HELOC, it pays off your mortgage. You have a limit, just like with a credit card, right? Mm -hmm. And you have your balance just like with a credit card and you pay interest 
on that balance. Now, the way it calculates its interest is different than a credit card, but in that respect, it's the same, right? It's, it's, it is a line of credit that you can pull from and use it as you need, but you can also pay as put as much money into it safely. You can put everything into it safely if you want, right? Because it is, because every dollar you put in there, you can take back out if you need it. So the liquidity piece is something that, uh, and when I say liquidity is access to the money you've put into it, right? The money you put in, you can take back out, so your money is liquid. That part of it is actually an, an extremely integral piece or understanding for people to get to be able to use the strategy, right? To be able to leverage how how this works, right? So, yeah, man. So how does, let me ask you this, man. And this is just, you know, a question that, you know, I'm randomly coming up with because I'm sure a lot of people are going to ask this question as well. How yeah. can people use a first lien HELOC to pay off the balance of their property relatively quickly? Mm -hmm. So there's a, there's a strategy, right? There, again, I kind of go back to what I mentioned before. With any, with any structure, vehicle, uh, any sort of, um, yeah, financial vehicle that, that you have, there's a structure to it, right? Mm -hmm. And the better you understand that structure, the better you know how to work within it to take advantage of how it works, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what we do. So there's a certain way to treat, I'll call it, right, a first lien HELOC to fully maximize its benefit, right? Some people call it velocity banking, right? Uh, we, we've our thumbprint is, you know, maximize cash flow strategy. Someone else calls it accelerated banking, right? All these terms, and if, you know, if you look up velocity banking, that'll be the one that probably pops up the most uh, on the internet. That's the one that's most familiar. But um, all that is, is there's a best way to work within this loan, right? Mm -hmm. To get the maximum benefit. So, um, so we teach that, right? People utilize the strategy. So we talked about one difference which has, which has to do with the money being able to go in and come out, right? That's extreme people, we use that, right? The other way it's different, um, and the reason why I'm going there first before just going straight to the question is because, uh, and this is the educator in me, right? Is that in order to understand how we use this, we have to understand how it works first, right? right? So there are two main ways, one has to do with money flow, and the other one has to do with interest calculation. So on the interest calculation part, if we compare this to your mortgage, right? The way your amortized mortgage calculates its interest each month is it looks at your previous month's end balance and it uses that end balance against your rate to calculate your payment for the month. And that's just that's just how they work, right? Um, nothing wrong with it, it's just the calculation that, they, that they've chosen to use. Mm -hmm. um, a first lien HELOC or, or the right first lien HELOC is gonna use a different calculation. It's gonna use what's called the average daily principal balance. So what it does is it takes the average of all the days in the month, right? So you've got, you know, let's say 30 days in this month, it takes the average of all those individual days balances. It uses that average against your rate to calculate your payment, right? Well, that means if you want the lowest payment, you need to create the lowest average, mm -hmm. right? That, that understanding, right? If you want the lowest payment, we create the lowest average, right? Well, how do we create the lowest average? Well, if I've got, 30 days in the month, right? I want the lowest average for all those days. I need to have the most number of those days with the lowest balance. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Right? I need the most days out of all that with the lowest balance. That's kind of the big secret, like a big reveal, like, like here's the curtain, right? Um, like, so 
that means we need to start with the first day with the lowest balance, mm-hmm. right? So if, if, I, if we're going to maximize how this works, we need to create the lowest balance on the first day possible, right? Because that takes advantage of how this works. That leads into the first part of the strategy, right? So if I'm going to create the, first, the lowest balance as fast as possible, when I receive money, all of that money needs to go into the first thing HELOC because that creates the lowest balance as fast as possible, right? So when you get paid, when people implement this strategy, when they get paid, they deposit the money not into their checking account, but into the first thing HELOC because that creates the greatest decrease in their balance. And every dollar they put in there goes toward principal, pays down the balance. It's like your principal payment almost, right? Like you're living off your house pretty you're much. You're living off your house. That's right. Well, if you did that with a mortgage, an amortized mortgage, remember amortized mortgages, your money's locked away. It's called the mm-hmm. closed-ended loan. And so if you put all your money in your amortized mortgage, well, people need to eat food and you know pay for stuff, right? So you can't get the money out to pay for you know to pay for your expenses, right. which is why that is not possible. Well, not a good idea for an amortized mortgage. Well, remember here, everything you put into it, you can take back out. So that's just what you do. You pull from this to pay your bills, right? Mm-hmm. You pull from this to pay your cell phone, your car, your Hulu subscriptions, right? Your kids' education, if that's what you're doing, right? You mm-hmm. every expense that you have comes from there. So if we think about uh, the month as a whole. All of your money goes in, which creates the greatest decrease in your principal balance. Well, as you pull from this to pay for your bills, your balance incrementally increases month over month. And at the end of the month, take a look and see where's my balance now compared to the beginning, right? So basically what it means is every dollar from your income that you put in there that you don't take out to spend, right, is simply still in there. Mm -hmm. When you first put it in there, it's principal reduction. You take away from that. And whatever's left in there is your principal pay down for that month. And so what that means is that it allows for it allows for you to use every dollar of your surplus and dedicate that toward paying down your house with every single dollar that you don't spend is dedicated toward principal reduction, which means there's no faster way to pay off your house right because there's no money anywhere else all of your money is there you just take money out to pay your bill so you're literally dumping your entire paycheck let's say somebody makes i don't know five grand a month and you know this is after taxes Mm -hmm. and you know they're trying to pay off a two hundred thousand dollar house literally the five thousand dollars is going toward the payment and then it'll pull the expenses that they need to live off of from that amount, almost like a credit card, like you mentioned. Almost, uh, yeah, almost like a credit card. I mean, it's because both are open-ended lines of credit, mm-hmm. we can compare the two because they work similar. This just works in a much grander way, right? In a much more, in a much bigger way because you're not talking about a $10,000 payoff, right? You're right. talking about a three, dollars $400,000 payoff. So, and, oh, sorry, go ahead. So I was going to say, you know, if, if somebody keeps pulling money because you got to live, right? So if somebody is paying off their mortgage, but then they continue to pull money from it, wouldn't that affect the balance at the end of the day? hundred percent, hundred percent. So they would there, although they are paying, so they're meeting their monthly payment amount, but then they're still pulling some money out, which means that they have to pay more money back as well. Doesn't it? 
Um, yes. So, you know, if there is the, you know, let's, if we think about your scenario, you owe $200,000 in the house and you deposit 5,000 into it, mm -hmm. that, that income of that $5,000 does reduce the balance from 200 to 195, mm -hmm. right? Which that's a $5,000 reduction in your balance, right? You paid down your ha house by 5,000 bucks, right? Now let's say they use 3,000 of that again. So it goes back up to 198. That's right. It goes back up to 198. Yeah. So out of the $5,000 that they put in there, right? They took out 3,000 for their expenses. Mm -hmm. Well, they still have $2,000 of principal reduction, right? Because the income goes in as principal reduction. They still have $2,000 of principal reduction in there at the end of the month. That, that's which kind is, of the way I like to think about it, you know? Which is great because with the banks, like using that same scenario, if I were to put $5,000 towards, let's say I needed to pay off a $200,000 note yep. and I put 5,000 toward it, but I have no, other, I have no other way to pay my other bills and anything like that. I can't reuse that money unless I refinance, which is going to cost me money. That's right. right. That's right. And then on top of that, using that same scenario, if I make a, let's say a normal mortgage payment on a regular loan to a bank, mm -hmm. only a, a fraction of that amount is being paid towards principal. Right. Majority of that, especially in the beginning of a loan is being paid towards interest. So right. I'm not really paying down that loan for, I think it's like an average of 17 years when it flip flops and then you start paying more towards the principal than the interest. You know what I mean? So I do, um, I do. And we, that's a path that we'll probably want to go down a different day. Yeah. The amortization schedule is something that, um, that people I think just accept because mm -hmm. they, they're like, Hey, look, this is the way to become a homeowner. Yeah. yeah. Kind of stinks, but I'm just going to ignore how, how, bad the schedule is actually how how bad amortization yeah. is for me i'm going to ignore it because that's just how people become homeowners i can go that i can go in a soapbox for that for a long time so we'll, we'll save that for another day but yeah I, I agree i agree yeah so if you guys want to see another podcast episode with anthony where we talk about the the ins and outs of the amortization schedule and how it's really not that effective be sure to leave a comment in the comment section if you're watching this on youtube yeah or, you know, uh, hit the like button as well, uh, while you're watching this video, but listen, um, another question for you, man, uh, you yeah. know, we're here to learn how to pay off a mortgage in five to seven years. All right. A lot of people want to know how to do that. Yeah. Why don't we provide them with a, let's say a five-step process on what it takes to be able to use a first lien HELOC to pay off their mortgage within a five-year time frame. Yep. The first thing that has to be true is you have to budget well and you have to make more than you spend. Mm. That's the, that is the, it, I could even bring it down to a one step process. Well, not process, but that that's the prerequisite, right? You have to be able to budget. Mm -hmm. if, if you, if you're living month to month, right? Let's use that scenario, right? Um, household owes 200,000 and they bring in 5,000 a month. That's great, right? So they drive in their income, reduces their balance from 200,000 to 195, right? Mm -hmm. Well, let's say they have two kids in daycare and two car payments and, you know, they're, um, and they go out to eat sometime, right? But their expenses are 5,000 too, right? Mm -hmm. Well, remember when they drive in their income that reduces their balance on day, the first day they can, 
and that affects their average daily principal balance. That's awesome. That's a win, right? Because you're saving money on interest. You that that does work, and that is a good that is the best way to treat this. But that won't make this work, right? Because in this scenario, their expenses are five thousand dollars too, right? We're living month to month, right? Mm -hmm. So they pull from their HELOC to pay their bills. Well, their balance at this point is 195. As they pull from their HELOC to pay their bills at the end of the month, they've pulled out five grand. So now their balance is right back to 200,000. Mm -hmm. Next month, 5,000 in down to 195, right? They pull from their HELOC back up to 200,000, right? 195, 200,000, 195. This household would never pay off their home with this, right? Mm -hmm. This is not a good idea for them, right? Um, it isn't often, but every once in a while, we'll talk with people who are excited about the strategy and the idea. They learn about this and they, they're excited it's going to work for them. And we run a calculator every time we talk with people. But um, every once in a while, we'll come across someone who thinks it's going to work. And, you know, we, we, we have to, you know, we're, our goal is to help people with this, right? That's right not just to get loans. And so um, our goal is to change people's lives for the better. And so if we know this isn't going to work, we, you know, hey, look, you know, do, do these numbers look good to you? Well, no, they don't. That's weird. Well, mm -hmm. here's the thing. It looks like there isn't enough cash flow in the household for this to work, right? But so number one is you have to, you got to make more than you spend. Uh, you got to budget well. Got to be disciplined with your finances. What if people wanted to make some sacrifices, right? Let's say somebody makes five grand a month mm -hmm. and... They're, you know, spending a little, they're eating out a little bit more than they should, but their goal is to pay off the mortgage in five years. You can sacrifice some things in that case, right? You can, you can sacrifice some things. We, um, or make more money or make more money. Or if you have a car, well, there's this other part to it too, where this is a great debt consolidation tool, tool also. Mm -hmm. So yep. if you have two car payments and you loop them into the HELOC, it actually increases cash flow more than it hurts you from a HELOC payment standpoint, which we can go over that later too. But that's a really good way to shift debt from a, a, yeah. less, a, a, bad, a bad place per se, right? To a much better place, which can actually change the trajectory for this as well. Um, you can change your habits um, and you can you know, choose to eat, eat out less. Or you can choose to, you know, spend less. Well, what's the reality of that actually happening? Most people that's don't want to, right? You know, most people that, don't want to change their habits, right? And that, so, that's the way. That's kind of the direction I was going. Is like, yes, you could, right? We don't like to have those types of conversations, or, or I, I don't like to guide people there, mm -hmm. because I believe that one of the hardest things to change is, is your routine, is your habit culture, whatever you want to call it, right? Like mm -hmm. that's, and that's why people like, you know, your, your Dave Ramsey's are, are doing a good job is because they are able to successfully help people become disciplined, right? right. That's really hard. Mm -hmm. I mean, most of the people who were not disciplined before, and now they are, the reason why they did that is they had some major event in their life that snapped him out of it and they said i never want to go there again it's right. like you know what that's like man you know what, what's coming to mind it's like asking somebody to lose weight when they really don't want to lose weight you're telling them that's to change it their or they want to lose weight yeah even if or they, they want to yeah maybe they I, don't or hey lose weight. look you're asking I wanna... them to change up their diet do they really want to lose the weight 
No. Yeah, like I want to go to the gym and get your shoulders. That's not going to happen. You know, yeah. like, come on. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, but you know, that that's the thing is like, even if people, it's not like we're forcing people to make the change. People right. want to make the change. But mm -hmm. just like diet programs, just like workout regiments, just like what, uh, um, New Year's resolutions, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yep. I'm going to do the, you know, the five o'clock morning thing, right? Like for three the, weeks, the three, you know, I'm going to do the for three weeks. Exactly. Right. And then what happens is you go back to your regular routine. Yep. That is also a, a, something that we pay attention to, right? Absolutely. Because the, I could have conversations with people all day and hey, look, why don't we just say, like, do you think you can cut out on this? Those aren't conversations we have. Because we, again, we want to set people up for success. Um, so, for, so first things first, you're approaching this from a realistic standpoint. You don't want to put somebody in a position where they're going to fail right off the rip, right? So right. you want them to be able to succeed at this, which is make more money than you spend. That's step number one. What would be step number two? Step number two is... Um, is I would either watch Jamel's podcast, uh, you know, a little shout out there about velocity banking. You can go to firstleanheloc.com as well, and they have a there's it's a free educational resource that that you can learn about this. Um, there are there are other really great resources online uh, in terms of you know not to push people in a different direction, but uh, but online if you look up velocity banking, mm -hmm. we believe that I don't like, we don't want just to tell you it's going to work, right? The conversations we have with people are not, Hey, give me your, you know, tell me how much you owe. What are your expenses? You're going to pay off your home in this amount of time, right? We could do that, but we're not empowering people to understand how this works and to control it. Because mm -hmm. the reality is that you have control over how fast you pay off the house but it's not going to work if you don't understand it. So we believe in the power of education. education. Um, and that, that was, again, that was one of the main alignment uh, pieces that I recognized in terms of this product and what comes mm -hmm. with it. Um, the fact that this strategy is not as well known, the fact that the product is not as well known, right? That involves a lot of education. The fact that people are actually paying off their homes in three years, five years, mm -hmm. seven years, that people are really skeptical about it yeah because they're like that's got to be fake right it's got to be fake you right? got to no see way. people doing it you need right. testimonials right and i've never heard of this thing before yeah. so yeah it's it's got to be fake well the reality is that it isn't fake we do see results like that day in day out but it but it does take it does take understanding about how do you control this right so if things go awry right or if things you know it's a flexible tool so if things go out of the way that you expect them to you know what to change you know what to do to control this to go in the direction that you want right yeah so first things first look be disciplined right so you need discipline yeah in order to spend less than what you actually make a lot yep. of people have that problem so it's not easy yeah so you heard you heard anthony say look other countries use this tool you have Australia, they're using it. Certain parts of the uh, UK using it. Other countries are using this as a primary tool because it actually works, right. right? This is how they're building real wealth relatively quickly. In America, we're so uh, 
I don't want to use the word uh, brainwashed. Conditioned. Use, we're conditioned. That's a better word to use. Conditioned to use the the thirty year amortization loan. Right. And we believe in that because of that because that's what's being positioned in front of us. But if the first first lien HELOC was positioned in front of us, we'll believe that that actually works as well. We'll see results because everybody around us isn't using the first lien HELOC. A lot of us are uneducated on it. And that's where the education part comes into play. So you got be disciplined, yep. get educated, yep. right? These are the first two steps. What would be step number three? Step number three. Um, so we have a calculator on firstlinghelock.com that you can actually input your numbers, right? You input your the amount that you owe in the house. You input your current take-home pay, right? Because that's the amount of money that goes into the HELOC each month, right? Mm -hmm. You input your monthly expenses. Those are the most important parts, right? Um, expenses are everything you spend money on, right? Mm -hmm. Your mortgage is- including, including business? Let's say somebody owns a business. Mm. You know, um, should, they, should they include that in there as well? It depends on if you're using gross business income mm -hmm. or if you're just using your household take-home pay. If you're using your household take-home pay in terms of your distributions, or if you do distributions with W-2, right, mm -hmm. then I would just do that, and then I would just do your household income if you plan on keeping them separate. If you plan on integrating them, it for one, you're going to want to talk with a with a CPA tax mm -hmm. attorney about uh, intermingling of funds and how to how to show it in a way that that you can present to the IRS that they're going to be okay with, right? Mm -hmm. um, if if, if you're going to include gross business income, then you're going to want to use business expenses and, um, and household expenses as well. Right. So usually we do household expenses because there have been a handful of people who have, who have successfully integrated the two, business with First Lean HELOC. The reality is the First Lean HELOC is written to your person or to, um, to a, revo a revocable trust. So... Um, there are ways for tax attorneys and CPAs to integrate the two, uh, but, and I'm happy to share those later on, but my advice is if you're going to try and do that, then first consult with them because they're the ones who are going to have to get your back if the IRS comes after you. Mm -hmm. So it needs to be their plan. They need to be the ones who, who manage, who come up with the plan and manage it and understand it. So that way they can explain how it's legitimate within the, the tax code. So, it. um, but it's a good question. It is. Um, so yeah, if we usually go with personal, you know, take home pay, uh, and then household expenses as well and leave the, um, leave the other stuff aside, if that makes sense. Got it. Got it, man. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, we want to use that calculator to see if it's a, a good fit for us. I'm going to be sure to link the, uh, the link in the description box that you guys need in order to be able to get access to that. Definitely. Uh, so first three steps, we talked about three of them, right? Discipline, right? Spend less than what you make. Yep. Number two, educate yourself. Mm -hmm. You're already doing that right here. And I have a, a complete infinite banking and HELOC playlist on my YouTube channel where you can get more information. In fact, I'll link the uh, podcast I just did with DeAndre about how HELOCs actually work uh, right up at the top. So you guys can check that out. And 
number three, you want to use that calculator. Start playing around with the numbers to see if it's a good fit for you. Yep. What would be steps number four and five? How is it possible for our yep. listeners to uh, pay off their mortgage in five to seven years? So step four would be schedule a call with one of us. Um, I, I, uh, I, my official employment is actually with First Savings Bank. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a loan officer. I, I was the, the sole loan officer for a couple of years just doing First and HELOCs. We have... Um, we've, we've grown a good bit in terms of volume and, and presence. And so now we've got four loan officers here. I'm the sales manager helping drive the team. Mm -hmm. and, and so schedule a call. Uh, I can give you the link for that too. Uh, you know, you can check that out um, with one of us. And what we'll do is we'll actually walk through the education piece with you. Mm -hmm. um, I don't want to say we force that, but we kind of force it because it's that important. That's a good thing though, man. You know, yeah. That way people understand exactly what they're getting themselves into yep. when they, I hate to say getting yourself into it because it sounds like it's coming from a negative standpoint, but really it's not. You're right. educating yourself to know exactly what you're doing to be successful at it. That's probably a better way to position it. 100%. 100%. You know what I mean? So schedule the consult with you guys. You guys will walk them through it, almost like, like coaching them through it in yep. order to be successful at it, right? And I'll, again, I'll link that in the description box for you guys. And finally, step number five, what would step that be? Number five is, is fill out the app and get the loan. Um, the experience looks just like a mortgage. Whether it's a refinance, we can do these for purchases too. So, um, you know, it requires 10% down as well. So we can go to 89.9, you know, .9, roughly 90% loan to value. So if you're doing it as a purchase, it's 10% down. Um, most of the people that we help are doing a refinance. Uh, mm -hmm. because they, when the, as they're doing research, they get frustrated with the fact that amortized mortgages work the way that they do. Mm -hmm. And they look for different alternatives that can work better. And, and this is one. And so, um, and so, yeah, the last one is, is fill out the application I after the you. call. Yeah. After the call that we have, we'll, we, you know, we'll say, Hey, look, you know, is this something as long as the numbers work, right? Yeah, is it something absolutely. you can move forward with? send you the application and then it just really looks like kind of getting pre-approved and then underwriting and then you get the loan. That's right. So if you're purchasing a property, normally if you're going through with a 30 year amortization, you can get an FHA, you can get a conventional loan for less yep. than what you have to put down here, right? Three and a half to 5%. Yeah. But yeah. here's the deal. You got to sit on that loan for 30 years and you're going to probably pay two and a half times of what the actual purchase price of that mortgage is. So if you're buying a $200,000 home, you're going to end up paying $450,000. And that's the yeah. best case scenario. Jamal. Yep. Best case. And that's if you don't refinance, that's if yep. you don't move to another home. Yep. I mean, we're talking most people stay in their house for five years, right? So we're talking I mean? seven to eight different amortized mortgages that start at the beginning every mm -hmm. time. And we could talk more about that later, but like, that's yeah. a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. Versus coming up with another 5%. 10% down on a purchase and being able to pay off this property in five to seven years. Yeah. That's what we're talking. That's how you build real wealth. That's, that's how you right. get access to the capital you need. Right. That's right. Or you can go to refi process. The rather than if you have the equity in your home, yep. let's say your house is worth $200,000. They'll give you 180,000. Yep. And you won't have to come out, of, come out of your pocket with that 10%. That's right. Right. And 10% is already built into the home. What That's if you right. have investment properties? Would this work on investment properties as well? So I can't do first lien HELOCs on investment properties right now. Mm -hmm. 
um, between you and me and I guess everyone else that's watching the podcast. We're working toward that, but I can't do it right now. Perfect. That that's being said, building on. Yeah, there you go. There you go. That being said, um, there, there is a, there is a really great strategy uh, mm -hmm. to not just pay off your home, your primary residence. There's a way to utilize this with multiple properties to become debt-free from a portfolio standpoint uh, with just one. And so we can talk about that too. It's, it's, a, it's a really cool strategy. I, I think it's cool. I'm kind of biased, right? But, um, but Let's it, dig into it. Let's dig into it a little bit, man. Okay. Okay. So, um, so we have this, this way of, of aggressively paying down your debt, right? All your money goes in the HELOC. You pull from the HELOC to pay your bills and all your cash flow serves as your principal reduction, right? And the more that you cash flow, the faster you pay down debt, right? Mm -hmm. And if you just pay off your house, awesome, right? Well, let's say you've got three other homes, three other rental homes with mortgages on those. Well, now you're stuck paying amortized mortgages on these on these other homes. Mm -hmm. So the strategy that, that we implement, which is actually better than if you had HELOCs everywhere. So, uh, and I say that because what people I think initially think is from a debt pay down perspective, it's better to have HELOCs everywhere because HELOCs are better. Once they mm -hmm. learn that first thing HELOCs are better, like we got to get them everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. That isn't actually true. Numerically, it's better to have one HELOC as your central hub and keep your amortized mortgages elsewhere. Mm. Because what you do is you, let's say, um, let's use that 200,000. Uh, let's say you owe two hundred thousand on your dollars on your house, but your line amount is three hundred. Are you mm -hmm. with me? So what that means is you owe two hundred thousand, but your limit on this HELOC on this line of credit is three hundred thousand. So at that point, you have a hundred thousand dollars that you could access if you want. Right now, we can label that a number of different ways. Right, we can label that as your emergency fund. At its core, at its most basic level, that's what it is. Um, we can use that as a tracker to figure mm -hmm. out how is your success with the first lien HELOC? How much equity are you building, right? We can label it as capital and that's where the investor comes in, right? At this point in time, the investor would label that as $100,000 of capital that I can access immediately at like 8%, right? Mm -hmm. Which, I mean, the better the investor, the better that they have access to capital in different ways. This mm -hmm. is another way, right? But $100,000 at 8% immediately is pretty darn good in comparison to the other things that are available, right? And so, so the strategy is to pay down the first lien HELOC to where you have enough equity available to fully pay off one of the other mortgages. One of the other mortgages. And right. And then you, use the he you keep paying towards the HELOC. You keep paying, you keep the HELOC. But here's the thing, when you pay off, you don't just pay down the mortgage, right? Because if you just pay down the mortgage, what you do is you you take on debt on the HELOC, which increases your interest cost on the HELOC, mm -hmm. but you don't increase cash flow. Mm -hmm. You have to fully pay it off because when you fully pay it off, yes, you increase your HELOC's balance compared to where it was before, but you increase cash flow because now you don't have a principal and interest payment right. anymore over here. That money flows into the HELOC and increases the pace by which you pay it down. Man. Right, is right there, man. And you do it again, right? You pay it down to where you can pay off fully pay off the next property, right? How, what's the average turnaround time for something like that? Like, how long would it take using this scenario? Somebody's paying off three 
rental properties. What do you like? Would that take another fifteen years, or like how long does it take to pay off? It. I mean, it like that. Just like the first lien HELOC scenario is dependent, your outcome is is solely dependent on your cash flow. If that's all we're looking at, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the the outcome for your payoff time is solely dependent on the balance that you have, the ca- the monthly payment, how much cash flow are you, or do you increase each time that you loop in a property. Uh. It, it it is it's individual to the person, but so so one example I had. Um, uh, probably about a year ago. And this one sticks out. The good ones stick out, you know, the ones that are super, super solid stick out. But, um, but about a year ago, I had a, a lady and she had a, a principal residence that if she just paid off, if she just used Velocity Banking to pay off her home, um, it would take about five years. Mm-hmm. Um, if she had two other rental properties, one had 28 and the other one had 25 years left on the amortization schedule, right? So by implementing the strategy, she was able to become holistically portfolio debt-free in eight and a half years instead. So it added three and a half years wow. to her payoff time, right? Which completely changed her whole her whole perspective, right? Mm-hmm. So her whole portfolio, instead of having an additional twenty-three and additional you know twenty years left on her amortized mortgages, she's completely debt-free just by looping in the debt from the other properties mm-hmm. to this place. You're shifting debt from a worse place to a better place. Yep. That's really all you're doing. So what if debt-free is not the goal though, man? Like what, what else, how else can you use a program like this? How, like what else can you use this money for? Right, which sounds crazy, right? Like to most people, they're like, why would, you, why would I not want to be debt-free, right? Well, mm-hmm. that's not always part of people's plan, mm-hmm. right? That's like, there are a lot of people who, leverage debt, right? They, they use debt. The way we see it is investors, investors, we'll name it. Right. And the thing is the way that we see it is this product is flexible to help work with, with different paths, different goals. Right. Mm-hmm. If you, if all you want to do is become debt free, I didn't even put that the right way. Cause it, not all you want to do. If that's your goal, that is an awesome goal. And this can help you do it when it works. Right. If your goal is to build a portfolio, to start building a portfolio, to build upon what you already have, to scale, to work toward, mm-hmm. you know, to wealth or generational wealth, this is a tool that can help enhance that, right? So from an investor standpoint, the reality is that it provides you with access to capital that you wouldn't have otherwise with a mortgage. Absolutely. Right? And there are a lot of people across the country who are sitting on one, two, three, four, five, six million dollars worth of, of equity that is unused in their home that they can't access. We call that debt equity, right? You can't mm-hmm. touch it, right? And that's just part of a mortgage. A lot of people just take that for granted and they're like, okay, whatever, right? Yeah. Well, as an investor, the better you are at identifying opportunity that can generate a higher rate of return, right? The more your problem is capital, mm-hmm. right? Hey, look, I mean, if, you know, I've talked with a number of enough people to know that the one thing that they say is if I could just have $15 million of leverageable capital, right? That's all like, there isn't enough capital I could have, Mm -hmm. right? Because they're great at identifying opportunity. And so, um, so what this does is this frees up, it makes available the equity that you have in your home to leverage, right? So 
you know, people that if, if people strictly want to pay off their home, we'll go to the you know, baseline, right? If that's their goal and they become completely debt free, now they're sitting on $300,000 of equity that they could use at 8%, 8.5%, which means their cogs can actually start to turn and think to themselves, hey, what if I took $100,000, right? And what, what if I took that and, and bought an investment property and then put $30,000 into it to rehab it, right? And then either did the Burr method and I, you know, refinanced out, did cash out refinance, pay myself back, right? Now I've got this home, right? That's cash flowing, right? Just by doing that. Or what if I were to sell it, right? Which then could generate an additional, you know, if you did a good job, you know, yep. 30 to 60 grand, right? Like it, for one, with when you have an amortized mortgage, the reality is when it's paid to zero or even while you're paying it, you have access to none of the avail none of the equity that's in the home. Mm -hmm. This flips the switch; it changes the game, and it gives people access who otherwise wouldn't have had it at all. Right, access to it for the actual investor. It gives you another source of of capital, right? That's immediate that you can access immediately at an interest rate that is. And and to be honest with you, man, for me, like I'm I'm going to BlackRock route man like yeah never sell you know what i mean what's the point in selling when you can just keep recycling the money that's keep right pulling it out and keep getting more of it you that's know what right. i mean get more properties use that money from the you know what i mean so that's the black rock route that's what i call it at least like, and, yeah. and that's kind of the game you want to play man you know hold right. on to assets because you you make money when you buy when you sell it you lose all of the uh you lose all of the income that's coming in from it that's so, right that's right. The the name of the game is like Monopoly, man. You wanna you wanna make sure you're holding. That's the that's the nature of this of this whole real estate game in the first place. Yes, there's a lot of different ways to make money in real estate. Right. But the real wealth is built through holding real Agreed. estate, man. 100%. So with that being said, man, what what are some of the obstacles that people will face trying to get this type of machine going? Well, um, once we get the the cash flow part, once we get the budget piece out of the way, right? Because that's the main thing, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it, all in all, that's the main thing. Because that determines your success, that determines your failure. If people, you know, if you have a consistent habit of being disciplined, you're likely to succeed with this. I mean, that, mm -hmm. that's, you know, it, that's pretty much it, right? But um, then there's the part about getting the loan, right? Mm -hmm. You have to qualify, right? You have to qualify for the loan. So what does that look like? Um, so credit score, you're going to want to have a 680 or above. Um, 700 is sort of the mark that that provides the best terms. Mm -hmm. uh, the interest rate isn't, uh, at least for, for where we are, right, at First Savings Bank, the interest rate isn't dependent on the score. Mm -hmm. So as long as you qualify, same offer, same options. Um, and so there's, there's the credit score. Um, type of home, right? So uh, I can do stick builds, I can do condos. Um, can't do mobile homes or manufactured or the other one that starts with an M that I can't remember right now. Uh, mobile manufactured and there's another one. Um, and I can do all states, we can do all states except for Texas, Hawaii. So, so none of the M's, none of the M's. None of the M's, none of the M's, yeah. Got it. <laughs> um, um, let's see. Um, I can do all states, but Texas, Hawaii, and Alaska right now. Quick uh, question about the, um, not to cut you off, man. Quick question about the income. Like what type, 
is there a certain income level that someone needs to be at in order to make this happen? That's a good question. There's, there's some people here that's not making a lot of money, but then there's people who are kind of there's all levels of income here. Right. So right. What about the people at, at who are who aren't as make making as much because they're a little on the younger side? So if you if you already have a mortgage on your house, right, and you were able to qualify for that, um, qualifying for this is a little bit uh, a little bit more stringent, if that makes sense, from an income standpoint. Mm -hmm. But if you qualified for your current house, it's likely that you'll qualify for this too. Got it. Um, in terms of new purchases, in terms of purchasing a home, um, I, I'll, I wish I could give you a good answer, Jamel. It's it's really, Honestly. We, we, we can't know until we get it in. And that's kind of a risk people don't always like to take because mm -hmm. it involves a credit pull and stuff. But, right. um, but people don't like to take it. But, you know, you can... You can go to places like uh, Rocket Mortgage or, uh, you know, they're, they're quick pre-approval places where they can tell you you're pre-approved for X in five minutes. You don't always um, qualify, though. They don't. I don't see that as being as doing a good service for the client. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you got to do the work to get a good answer. And, like, they just don't do the work and they give you an answer, but it's not a good one. So you right. can't always trust it. So, they, you know, it's, it's better just to do the work and learn either the good news or the bad news because you know if you're working with someone good they'll tell you how to make you know a, a bad answer a good one you know to, to get it right so you can move forward mm -hmm. um but the, the the debt to income is a piece that that balances the amount of income that you bring in against the amount of debt that you currently have including the projected housing expense which is you know the, the cost of the home the loan in the future right um, and so our debt to income max is a 45%. That doesn't usually mean much to, to people, um, unless you're kind of in the business or you do this a good bit, right? So um, if somebody's making 10,000 a month and they spend 4,500, you know, that's pretty, that's probably a good window. That's probably a good window, right? And so, um, so the debt to income is, has less to do. So I, I kind of separate two lines of thinking, mm -hmm. right? One is, is the first thing HELOC a good idea for you, right? That's where we talk about your spending, including your, you know, restaurants and your credit cards and, you know, your, um, your Hulu subscriptions and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, then we talk getting qualified for the loan and our conversation around debt to income is a little different because we don't include your, your little expenses that you spend mm -hmm. in the debt to income, right? Mm -hmm. In terms of getting qualified, that has to do with your credit report, mm -hmm. which includes all liabilities that you have. So your car payments and your um, student loans and your personal loans and the amount that you owe right now on your credit card bills, right? Um, and those kind of things. But it doesn't include all the all the other mm -hmm. lifestyle spend, spend, right? And the lifestyle spend, that's the reason why we have that conversation first, because that is determining whether it makes sense for you to even move forward with this idea or not, right? And then we get to qualifying for the loan, which is just a little bit of a different conversation, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so um, there are ways for us to work within the credit report that we pull within the debt to income. For instance, we can increase debt to income by looping in a car payment, right? Mm -hmm. And that helps from a debt to income standpoint which also helps from a payoff standpoint too. So it's a win-win 
Mm-hmm. Um, so even when we, you know, if we first get in a loan and the debt to income is at 50%, there are things that we can do within, uh, within the rules of, of the loan itself to help the debt to income get down, you know, below that 45% that we need. You need to have enough equity in the house to be able to do that, though, I'm, I'm assuming. You do, right? right? So, again, we can go to 90%, 89.9% loan-to-value. Uh, yeah. So, if you if you're at, if you just bought your house and you put 5% down, um, I could only do it if you brought the other 5% to the table. Got right? you. So, like, let's say, for example, somebody has a house they paid, I don't know, two fifty four, and now it's worth 500 But yeah. now they got two cars, and those cars are worth... You know, I don't know, a hundred thousand bucks. Yep. Um, they can probably get this loan done because at five hundred, at ninety, so four hundred fifty thousand dollars minus the what is it, three hundred thousand dollars in debt that they probably have right. left after paying off the mortgage and stuff. That still leaves them with an extra hundred and fifty thousand. Hundred and fifty thousand. So in that scenario, at, at the very core, the very base, they have one hundred and fifty thousand dollars of cushion, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. Of emergency fund. Right. Which is strong, you know. That's strong. Look, that's a lot. That's a lot of months of, of not having a job to to you know to uh, you know and and I, I the, it's one of those things we present it that way where it's like, look, if worst case scenario happens, because people come with these questions, right? What what if I lose mm-hmm. my job, right? Well, if you lose your job with a mortgage, you get a thirty, sixty, ninety day late unless you can come out of pocket to make that payment, right? Here, we call it floating the debt. You fall and you float on. The equity on the home. When you do that, yeah, it pushes your timeline back. Yeah, you you increase your balance because you're pulling from this to put food on the table for your family, to cover your bills, to make your your interest payment to the bank. Right. You're basically pulling it from the house to pay the house back. You That's are right. Which we don't lead with that. Right. Exactly. That's not we. we you know, if, if if you're worried about losing your house. You shouldn't do it. <laughs> you shouldn't do it, right? I mean, you know, but it, it's it's a secondary benefit, right? That's mm-hmm. true, right? And so it provides a level of security. So in that scenario, you start with $150,000 of cushion, right? Or if you define it differently, right? I would still keep 40 grand or whatever your, whatever your six month. That was number. my point, man. Like I, I, you know, me personally, I like to keep a year's worth of income. There you go. Right? Yep. So a year's worth of income in the bank will float you right right everything on top of that is kind of useless to keep in a bank agreed you know what i mean so like a year's worth of expenses in a bank should six, even let's, the average person is not doing a year let's say six months worth six of expenses months. in That's a bank. Right? Yep. six months would be what thirty forty thousand bucks for most people right, right. so right? let's just say 50 just for easy so 50 grand so yeah. with 50 grand anything above that should be invested that's in right. Opinion. So in this scenario, right? You won't have to. You won't, in this scenario, you won't have to have that fifty grand in reality because the house is your savings. But we don't want to exactly. leave it that. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Right. So in this scenario, right, your balance is three hundred. You can go up to four fifty. So you have one hundred and fifty available, but you're not going to touch the top fifty of it. Right. Right. So in this scenario, if you're thinking like an investor. You have a hundred thousand dollars accessible immediately, right? So then the question is, where are you going to put it, right? And that's always the question: What's the margin between what I borrow at and what I receive, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're talking about like a, you know, it depends on the type of investment, right? Um, you know, sometimes it's a monthly dividend kind of thing, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. it is a longer term, three, five, six, one year type 
investment where you take the money out and that results in an overall additional interest cost, right? That's, that's your cost of funds. We call it cost of funds to you is, you know, whatever the full amount of that cost is. And then what do you generate on the back end? after? The so you're doing a flip, for example, like it's going to cost you a good 20 to 25% to do a flip because you borrow, most people are borrowing hard money, which is, you know, the interest rate right. is crazy. Plus you're paying interest only on the money while you have it. So you might as well borrow it from yourself at that point. And hard money takes 10 to 20 days to get anyway. Yeah. You could do this overnight. Literally. You can, I mean, with a checkbook. Yeah. And so I, mean, I would still take precautions just for people who are brand new. I would still follow hard money guidelines, even if you're borrowing money from yourself, because yes. there's a reason why they don't lose money. You know, right. they're making sure the value in a property is there up front through an appraisal. They're making sure they have a contractor's estimate up front so they know how much work the property needs. Follow those guidelines. Get get the uh, the attorney to close the deal or the title company. Yeah. Make sure you're still, even if you're borrowing the money from yourself, you want to follow those guidelines because this is a protection for you. Absolutely. But instead of paying crazy interest, crazy interest and maybe a point on the front and a point on the back, you're paying right? to yourself. You pay, you, know, you pay it to yourself and you increase the balance for a short period of time. And again, if you're doing a flip, you then sell, you take the principal that you borrowed, put it back in and all the profit that you received goes back in there too. Suppose you, that's a, you know, $50,000 profit mm -hmm. instead, if everything is exactly the same, instead of owing 300,000, you borrow a hundred thousand up to 400 for the time that you're doing the rehab, right? And then you sell. You get 150 back, you put the 100 back, bringing you back to 300, and then you got the 50 profit that brings it back down to 250, right? Mm -hmm. Well, now instead of having access to a total of $200,000 minus the 50, right? Sorry, instead of having access to the 150 that you mm -hmm. had before, now you have access to 200 total minus the 50 that is your emergency fund, your six months of, of you know living expenses, which means now you can pull 150 out safely instead of hundred out safely. And so people call, you know, when, when people think about it this way, they call it paycheck parking, because what you're doing is you're, you're putting your, your leverageable assets in a place that works for you while it sits there. Right. Mm -hmm. And the only time you take it out is if it can work for you better somewhere else. Right. And if it, if, you know, if the only investments you can find are going to generate 5%, then you don't take them out. Right. But if the investments that you, that you, you know, decide to invest in can generate 14, 20, you know, 30, 50%, then it's a better use of your money because you borrow at a lower rate to receive a higher rate. And it just gives you access to more capital to be able to do that than you'll ever have with a mortgage. Absolutely, man. And do you need a ton of money saved up in order to do something like this? You don't need any money saved up, actually. Mm. Um, if you're, well, let me take a step back. If your credit score is below 700, yes, you're going to need about three months worth of reserves, which is, uh, I would just take your current mortgage payment at, you know, multiply by three, and that would give you about what you need, right? Mm -hmm. You can pull from multiple places for the reserves part of it. Um, you can, you know, you can pull from checking, savings, uh, investment accounts, you know, the brokerage accounts, you can pull from IRAs, 401ks, at least the amount that you have vested currently that you're not obviously borrowing from as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so no, you don't need a lot of cash to do this. Um, 
you don't need any cash, right? If you've got the credit score, then then it's just a matter of getting qualified per debt to income and getting it done. Even, you know, there are closing costs. Uh, I think it's important to name that. A lot of times people hear the word HELOC. And obviously what we think of are the HELOCs that we're familiar with, which are second lien HELOCs. And those mm-hmm. don't usually have closing costs. They're super cheap, right? Well, that's just an extension of credit to yeah. mortgage, right? Like we talked about before, this is a full refi. And if I think about closing costs, closing costs are just paying people to do the work, right? Mm-hmm. To get it done. So you've got four different entities. You've got bank fees, you've got appraisal, you've got title fees and state fees because banks got to do full underwriting, right? Um, you know, there's a full origination, closing, all that kind of stuff. You've got the appraisal. We do a full appraisal. Uh, there's title insurance. Remember, this is a full out mortgage, right? So uh, title insurance and closing fee as well. And then it gets recorded with the state just like a first position mortgage would as well. So, um, but the, the great thing is with that is that the only thing you pay for out of pocket is the appraisal and everything else gets looped into your loans balance. So, um, and that's like five or 600 bucks out of pocket. The other amount, you know, again, it gets added to your loans balance. So it does increase that, um, which is a reality, right? Um, that being said, it doesn't hurt your pocketbook now. So if I think about the, call it pain that people actually receive, Really, the only pain that people receive if the purpose is to pay off the home is just an additional month or so in terms of their payoff, which really right. doesn't change the outcome that much, you know? So, um, so yeah. So, long story short, man, you know, at the end of the day, 700 credit score, right, will we'll get you the best terms yep. on it, man. Yep. You don't really need a lot of money saved up, but if you have a lot of equity, that'll, that'll help out. Yep. And educate yourself on this, man. That's what this is all about. It is. And in order for you to get started, I'm going to go ahead and link everything in the description box of this episode so that you guys can look into this and use your money wisely, smarten up, right? Reach out to Anthony, let him know what you're interested in doing. If he can help you, great. If he can't help you right away, he'll tell you how you can put yourself in a position in order to be able to get something like this done. I think it's a powerful tool. It's not for everybody. So you got to be disciplined. Most people are not disciplined. You got to be disciplined. You got to be the the person willing to go on a diet to lose the weight. That's right. You know what I mean? You got to be the person willing to go to the gym and put up the weight in order to be able to make it happen. You got to be disciplined. If you're not disciplined with money, do not do this. That's right. Right. But the links will be in the description box for you guys in order for you to get started. And I'm looking forward to hearing your, you guys' success stories. Uh, make sure you like this video, subscribe to this channel, click that notification bell as well. Let me know if you want to see another uh, episode with Anthony regarding what we spoke about earlier uh, with the amortization scheduling. Yep. I think that's going to be an interesting uh, episode for us to talk about. But Anthony, are there any books or anything like that that our listeners can look into in order to get more information? Um. It's a good question. Um, well, in terms of books, there, I mean, um, I don't specifically know about any particular books that are out there. I do know if, if, you, if you're okay reading through information and, and trying to, uh, it, you can go to firstlinehelock.com mm-hmm. um, and they've got, you know, they, we have some really, I think, great explanations about what this is, uh, how it works, who it works for, 
It'll help you better understand how it can, how you may be able to apply it to your life and what you're trying to achieve. Um, and I, I think that would be a really great source to check out if that makes sense. Perfect. Um, Perfect. There, there's a couple books that, that I could give you that, that will help you really, really dislike the amortized mortgage. Uh, <laughs> but we can, we can save that for another day too. So. Sounds good. We'll talk about that on the next episode. Again, leave a comment in the comment section. Let me know uh, that you got, because I'm going to base that episode off of the comments that we receive. If you guys right. really want to see that episode, leave a comment in the comment section and tell me, look, I want to see the, the next episode with Anthony. We'll make it happen. All right. I'm going to link Anthony's uh, information, his website and everything in the description box of this particular episode. If you're looking at it on a mobile phone, you got to play around with the, uh, with especially on YouTube, you got to play around with the, uh, the three, I, I call it the hamburger, um, the hamburger navigation bar, right? Play around with that a little bit, the three dots that you might see on the, on the uh, screen um, in order to reach the, the uh, description, but it's there. You just got to play around with the, uh, icons that they show you up on YouTube. YouTube don't necessarily make that easy for you to get access to if you're on a mobile phone. Another thing, man, any last words for our listeners regarding anything? Well, uh, I just getting started. I just hope that this has been helpful. Uh, I'm never bashful about advocating or sharing about this. Um, because you know, I, I'll never hold back on the education, on sharing what this is, who it works for, how it works, because the reality is it is another kind of home loan. Mm -hmm. And it's a viable option for people across the country. And right now it's just not very well known and that's not a problem. But what that, to me, that means that there are a lot of people out there who are missing out on something that could really change their lives. So I don't mind being forward with, with pushing the idea because the reality is that the whether you get it or not is just solely dependent on the numbers, mm -hmm. right? If the numbers show that it works, then, Hey, then we have a viable option, right? If the numbers show that it doesn't work, then we say, Hey, look, it looks like this doesn't work. So for me, I have no qualms or being, you know, not necessarily being pushy, but like really going out there and sharing this and saying, Hey, look, this can be a really great idea because if it doesn't work, you shouldn't get it. And we'll find that out. Right. Right. Absolutely. Listen, guys, we've talked about the good, the bad, and the great and the ugly on today's podcast episode. And when you get the good and the bad, you know, you're getting real gems, That's it. right? Because if we only talked about the good stuff, then you should be skeptical. But we talked about you not being able to qualify as well, which is the bad part of it, right? So, you know, this was a great, it was a fantastic podcast episode Thank in you. my humblest yeah. opinion. And I'm looking forward to having you back. I'm looking forward to continuing to build with you and seeing how we can help as many people as possible go from where they are to where yeah. they want to go. And listen, be sure to like this video, subscribe to this channel, click the notification bell, share it with your family and friends. Let's educate people on how HELOCs yeah. actually work because we're conditioned. I like that word again. We're yeah. conditioned to believe that an amortized mortgage is the best fit for buying a home when in reality you build real wealth using the strategy that we talked about today. Definitely. I'm looking forward to hearing from you guys. Leave a comment in the comment section if you want to see the next episode and we'll see you guys then. Take care.